Hello. Hello. D and D. How did it go last night? Um, okay, what Jeff is referring to is that I played D and D. We did a one shot with this uh, group of people. I'm joining. I don't know how. I don't know how I know you yet, but we're on an adventure together. Yeah, we're gonna have to sort that out. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Uh huh. Yeah, it was just a like a prologue, so we we're just getting used to playing again and. Again, this is like I have very, very limited experience playing. Yeah. So I don't think any of us are like super veteran players, really, but yeah. So there should be more coming at some point we can talk about, but for now, we're just in development and trying to figure it out. My character's name is Kins. No last name yet. <laughs> no, just yeah. Kins. I, my character doesn't have a last name, but we'll see if yours does. Well, I just tried to, to like come up with a last name, but I was not satisfied with anything. Brightfoot. <laughs> no. Bright eyes. I... <laughs> <laughs> you have a theme song. Yes. Classic. Yeah. Uh, it rained all day today. And a lot of yesterday, but yeah, really today all day. Yeah. Crazy. I made soup. Mm -hmm. It was very hot, temperature hot. Yeah, definitely. Made uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast. That was fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pretty lounge about day. We watched a lot of The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Oh, no spoilers. No spoilers, but Baby Yoda every time. <laughs> every time Baby Yoda's on the screen, I just want to just, well, I always tell Winston that uh, he has competition because Baby Yoda is super, I, mean, I said his name, he got up. Uh oh, no, it's oh going he's to fine. Down. He's fine. Okay. Yeah. Made perfect. <laughs> What else is going on? What's what's up this week? Uh, it's finals week for me, so I have just like infinite meetings because everyone wants to work right now, and I'm just like, y'all, we had the year of our lives. Can't we just like chill out, <laughs> max and relax and all cool? Yeah, this is the final <laughs> chapter of a crazy book. Like, let's take it easy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's very November. few people who I work with that are of that vibe yeah. where I'm at right now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's fine. <laughs> still, still likely to be many months of, uh, of struggle and, uh, difficult educational circumstances yeah, for yeah. sure for both of us. Definitely. Uh, but we're back at it. Mm -hmm. Should we get into it? Yeah, sure. Wands ready. Where do I want to put the this? chapter begins with a synopsis. No, turn to page 211, <laughs> The Firebolt. Today's lesson is called Flight and Fight, a synopsis. <laughs> okay, I did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hard no. The chapter begins with Harry reeling from the news that Sirius Black had betrayed his parents. Ron and Hermione try to console a furious Harry who wants to seek out Black for revenge. In an attempt to change the subject, Ron suggests they visit Hagrid, who they find inconsolable over a ministry decision to execute Buckbeak. The trio successfully help Hagrid calm himself as he recalls his terrible experience in Azkaban. They agree to help him protect Buckbeak legally and spend some of their holiday time researching to that end. On Christmas Day, Harry awakens to an astonishing and anonymous gift, a firebolt. Stunned, Harry and Ron plan to take the broom out later that day, 
But first, the trio join a small holiday meal with many of the professors and only a few students. After the dinner, Hermione consults Professor McGonagall, who intercepts Ron and Harry and confiscates the broom under suspicion that it was sent by Sirius Black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cowabunga. <laughs> what were your thoughts? So at the very beginning of the chapter, Harry's kind of like um, spiraling. So there's like a quote in there that I picked out. Well, I don't think I finished the full quote, but it starts off saying, why had nobody ever told him? Dumbledore, Hagrid, Mr. Weasley, Cornelius Fudge. And so that's why earlier I asked you, like, wouldn't it be like publication or knowledge from the Wizarding World that Sirius Black was best friends with James and Lily Potter? Yeah. Because basically what what's happening is... um not only is Harry frustrated with the actual news, but also the fact that nobody, none of the adults, the many adults that he has crossed paths with, have bothered to even let him in on that little detail yeah. that seems to him entirely consequential. I wonder, as you're talking, if there was a Quibbler article mm. or two that said, <laughs> Sirius Black, actually innocent? Mm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it's a. It's probably well known, but people probably don't care. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It also seems like the ministry tries to hush it up for some reason. Oh like, man, there. Yes. Yeah. So like, okay, we'll get back to Fudge in a second. But, <laughs> um, so there's there's a few callbacks to things in the past. Um, so the first callback that I noticed was the photo album that Hagrid gave Harry at the end of his first year. Yeah. So um, Harry in his like, I don't know, sense making and grief is like trying to, he's he's like looking at it and um, because like he doesn't know any of these people. He doesn't know anyone, but now he has this lens and then he's just kind of like looking at Sirius. There's even, yeah, JK Rowling even like kind of does that where he's like, his mom and dad and this person he never paid any attention to, mm-hmm. but like he didn't really think about because there, there's such a foreground of his parents that the the other people are just irrelevant in some sense to him. Yeah, and going off of that, it's really interesting. I noticed that uh, Peter Pettigrew was pointed out in this um, like Harry inner monologue in his head, and he was described as uh, resembling Neville Longbottom. So yeah. <laughs> those eyes so, article <laughs> it just made me think about how like so much is driven by perceptions and so like he again he doesn't know any of these people but it's like oh hey this dude looks like neville he probably doesn't even think twice about this guy named peter pettigrew but uh how so much of our interactions or um the ways that we perceive people are based on uh, like whatever it is, like references to what we know. So if we go all the way back to Draco Malfoy, yeah, Draco's kind of snarky, but it was just, it's this thing that carries through. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Draco says or does to Harry, even though Draco's pretty consistently awful to Harry. Yeah. But it just kind of reifies that that um, impression that just doesn't seem to go away. Speaking of Draco, I like that moment when Harry's like, Draco said like, if it was me and Ron's like, what, you're going to take his advice over us? And I was like, Ron is. Yeah, Ron, get it. I really like Ron in this chapter. Um, When they go. Makes tea. (laughs) Yes. Um, So one of the first things is that uh, 
Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all here for the holiday at Hogwarts for the yeah, holidays. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other students, a couple first years, Derek. And fifth year. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> I remember I looked him up. I was like, who's Derek? Derek? <laughs> it's uh, like from the good place. Yeah. It's Derek. <laughs> uh, a fifth year Slytherin students there and a bunch of teachers. Um, but when Ron and Hermione are trying to convince Harry, like when he first steps out, uh, Harry in his head is like, oh, he could tell that they rehearsed this conversation. Yeah, right. I know. They're just it's very they're sweet. just really sweet. But yeah, Ron making a cup of tea because that's what his mom does when someone's upset when they Classic. go visit Hagrid. That's Hagrid's it's upset. perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, I don't know what to do. Uh, let me make some tea, right. and he does too, which is the best part. It's not like he just says it; he like actually makes the tea, and because mm-hmm. then, like, right after that, it's like, oh, yeah, steaming cup of tea or whatever. Yeah, the second callback is also related to Hagrid, mm. uh, and we saw a little bit about this before uh, when they started talking about the Dementors, but um, Hagrid's callback to the previous book where he got sent to Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. very. Briefly. It was sad. Yeah. It was said the whole description was said. Well, because he got scarred. And so he's talking about his like personal, personal things that none of them really Because he says, really I never want to break the law again or whatever. Yeah. He says so it. like yeah. getting expelled from Hogwarts was a memory that, uh, so he's talking about like these cycles of, uh, you know, dementors are supposed to bring out your worst memories Norbert. and make you feel like you don't want to live and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day his dad died mm-hmm. also. Those were the three that he mentioned. Um, and my question as I was reading this, well, not only are we going back to the conversation about fudge being all like, oh, hey, we're just going to send Fudgy. you to Azkaban. And if you're innocent, then we'll apologize. It's an outrageous like, it's so sign outrageous. of things that, to come. So I was interested because I was like, wait a second. There's no like holding jail or like right. any, anything in between. <laughs> just like straight to oh Azkaban. Oh, my gosh. Federal penitentiary. The rationale was like, oh, so you don't cause any more trouble. Uh, that is, unless you're innocent, because other people had this question online, too, of like, was Hagrid ever supposed to have a trial or was it just like automatic, like, hey, we're going to. You would have just been in there. We're just going to keep you or yeah. whatever. And I think because we talked a lot about circumstantial evidence in the last book. And so circumstantial, it's not like direct, but it's kind of you're tying these pieces together to make some sort of inference. And right. because Hagrid had a connection to the Chamber of Secrets before, which is connected to his uh, expulsion and all of that, um, there was this sort of, like, it didn't even matter. It was just like, okay, we'll just authority uh, strike down. And the quote from Chamber of Secrets was Fudge saying, for a short stretch only, not a punishment, Hagrid, more a precaution. If someone else is caught, you'll be let out with a full apology. I want to know what the apology was, bro. All apologies. Because <laughs> now you have Hagrid, who is, he he went to Askman for a very brief amount of time, got scarred, and is haunted by these Dementors, and yeah. is remembering Apparently there's them. no tort law where like, you can't sue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe there is. Yeah. Well, Hagrid doesn't have that position of power. No, like he wouldn't even try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder, yeah, so then Buckbeak is going on, and that's going to be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leading it's up a, to something new. Yeah, it just is very frustrating. Yeah. What was the committee name or whatever? Oh, disposal yeah. of magical creatures. The disposal of dangerous creatures, which is part of the Department of Regulation yeah. and Control of Magical Creatures. It's which disgusting. Because what he was saying is like, and this makes sense, like in the context, or or I can understand this. And he was basically like, you don't know. They like they basically like 
love it. They love what they do. And um, it's right. it's so they're, they're enthusiastic about it as yeah. opposed to reluctant. Right. Yeah. I think it's uh, then there was the other thing that I really liked, which was I forget what the legal term Hermione was like hippogriff baiting or yes, something. Yes, hippogriff baiting yeah. is the it was term. kind of neat. Mm-hmm. It really makes it feel like the world is really alive. Like yeah. the idea that there would have been a different scenario under which like a hippogriff was being sentenced. Yeah. And then there was, a, you know, a case where it was like, no, it was baited into right. doing this damage. Yeah, because they were doing all sorts of research. There was like a manticore one, mm-hmm. which they were like, oh, they just didn't want to get close to the manticore. <laughs> um but yeah, definitely that there's this history. And I loved how they wanted to try to help. And they were like, let's let's help you make an art. They're like, what, 12, 13 years old? Let's mm-hmm. make a, an argument or help you build an argument for your case. Mock trial. <laughs> you know, we're, we're lawyers here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't want to keep going, but... No, the, oh, So the next thing that I have is uh, the Firebolt. Mm-hmm. The Firebolt is, uh, uh, arrives... To Harry on Christmas morning, among other things, like another sweater from Mrs. Weasley, <laughs> which is really sweet. I love and all sweaters, those like so little there for pies and stuff. Um, so I looked up a bit about the firebolt from wizardingworld.com. And mm-hmm. um, so previously we knew that uh, there was the Nimbus 2000, that was Harry's uh, broom. And then we have the Nimbus 2001, which is like, oh, the new cutting edge thing. And but the firebolt from their reaction and very brief like back and forth is this like premier top thing that is expensive and really good. Yeah. So the Nimbus Racing Broom Company previously dominated the competition. So those two brooms that are broomsticks that I mentioned are like the models that everyone wanted. And then out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere, there's actually a deeper history with this, but um, the the Firebolt knocked them from their number one spot within 12 months of its release. It was a top secret project developed by Randolph Spudmore, who was son of Abel Spudmore of Ellerby and Spudmore, uh, oh, Spudmore, the dad, uh, produced the Tinder Blast in 1940 and the Swift Stick in 1952. So it's like in the family, mm-hmm, but those mm-hmm, never took off. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there's this top secret project and uh, Randolph was the first to use goblin-made ironwork and uh, the secrets mm. of which are not fully understood. And so that supposedly gave the Firebolt additional stability and power in adverse weather conditions and a special non-slip foot grip, which was uh, very useful to Quidditch players. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Harry mm. is one of the first to own this room. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember... <laughs> I think it's been months now since uh-huh. we read the chapter, but I think when he's stuck in Diagon Alley, he spends a lot of time yes. like looking at the firebolt and being like, yes. this is so extravagantly expensive. Like, yes. Can't get it. Apparently he went to go look at it like every day or something. And he was like, I'll spend all of my parents' money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care that I'm, I'm rich. But, but I'll have this broom. <laughs> I'll only have the broom. Mm-hmm. Um, it continues to be made in relatively small quantities, partly because the goblin workers involved in the pattern and ironwork are prone to strikes. And walkouts nice, at nice. the smallest provocation. I love that. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I like. Um, there's a lot about broomstick information and history in uh, Quidditch through the ages. Sure. Which I remember browsing through, but I don't know all the details. As you were talking, it reminded me. We don't have to get into it, but it reminded me of the. I think 
we talked about Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Oh man, I got stuff to say about Pepsi and Coca-Cola. It was in the it was in the um Malcolm Gladwell. It was. Book. Yeah. So basically, well, just very briefly, the so this even says original taste. Mm-hmm. But so like part it was in the section about like market research and basically like findings from like different psychological studies and whatever, I guess whoever whatever category you put this in, marketing, branding, etc. That the marketing and branding is very important for the interpretation of the product. It doesn't matter how good the product right. is, like it if it's shaped or skewed. So part of the uh, the Pepsi and uh, Coca-Cola uh, like the rise of Pepsi, I guess, if I will say, or like the struggle with that is that they were, they were, they were thinking that it was the formula that like, oh, well, maybe if we tweak this, but actually what was happening is that Pepsi was getting really good at their marketing and getting people like Michael Jackson and just celebrity pop stars to basically market their product. And so people had a different like uh, affinity towards there was, it. There was also something which was kind of neat about the way they were studying taste preference mm. and that Pepsi is was sweeter, maybe it still is. And so in a very small like yep. tasting, really like it. But over the course of a full can or serving, right, large, it becomes a little bit more quantity. cloying. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting because it – so the whole time I was thinking about like the ways that – companies or schools or whatever collect data and make sense of it and so like when you're trying to strive for these larger sets but then don't understand those nuances to make sense of like or think about like oh i'm just not tasting like a little tiny bit like people consumers are actually going to drink a whole can right what does that do so anyway yeah that was just it just made me think about that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then there's dinner there's dinner. Oh, before dinner, right uh-huh. before dinner, the sneakoscope comes out mm. again as another like, oh, hey, this is still here. Maybe it'll be relevant mm. later. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think, is it both times Crickshanks is also in there mm-hmm. and like attacking scab- at scabbers? Uh, but yeah, then they go down for dinner. Mm. Do you mm-hmm. have something there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, so we have 12 people mm. and it's kind of nice, a little chat. Derek is there. Derek. And then Professor Tolani comes. So this is what I looked yes. up because I, I really I like this. I looked this up too, but you go and see if we found the same thing. Well, her saying. Yeah. When she says like, when, when 13 th- dine together, the first to rise will be the first to die. Yep. What did you look up well, about? No, did you look up the historical context no, What did it? you look up? I no, looked- I looked up other stuff. <laughs> you hit me with it. Well, there there is a feature on Wizarding World called Seven Times Professor Trelawney Got It Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we probably found the same thing. No, I didn't look at that. Oh, okay. No. Uh, so basically, um, for this instance, it was labeled as more of a superstition than a prediction, but accidentally, she was right. Um, I don't know. Are is we she saying, right? Are we saying spoilers right now? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, so... When she looks at the table, there's 12 people that right. she sees, and right. she would be the 13th to right. sit down. However, Scabbers is in Ron's pocket, so technically, it could be a table of 13 that is sitting there, uh-huh. if that's what we're counting, if we're counting uh-huh. Scabbers So she would be as- the 14th? So she would be the 14th. Yeah, but who is the first person to leave the table? Dumbledore. Oh, does he get up? He gets up. Oh, he get he he gets up to give her the seat. 
Rip. So that was, <laughs> and that's all. And Rip so I saw this theory, like, I don't know, it was on some like forum thing. And then when I kept searching, then I saw the Wizarding World piece, and it says exactly that. It says, um, oh, what does it say? The first person, da, 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 if if you only give this section of the book a quick read without much thought, you'd be forgiven for thinking she got this one spectacularly wrong. However, look a little bit closer. You'll see that Ron constantly carried scabbers in his pocket due to the looming threat of Crookshanks and seeing that the rat was actually, spoiler, 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 <laughs> uh, that made 13 at the table before Trelawney sat down. Interesting. Albus Dumbledore was the first to rise when he greeted her and he was indeed the first of that group to die. Like That's that funny. paragraph is literally on Wizarding World. So I'm like, there you have it. I They're love that very it. much. That's great. Uh, I kind of looked up something tangential to this. So like, yes, it's a superstition, but it made me start thinking about phrases because it was just like, mm. we don't really have that. I don't think like mm -hmm. even as a superstition as muggles i i don't i never heard well of i think in general 13 is considered unlucky but sure. i haven't heard a table sure. so i think she's playing off that though i don't know that she yeah i think she made it up I but anyway know. some people connected it to the bible though oh okay well I there you know, go but uh but anyway i looked up phrases and idioms in mm -hmm. the wizarding world so i thought maybe Ooh. we could talk about a couple there were a bunch that i thought you would get like really easily because they're Such just clear quiz. trans not necessarily <laughs> but they're just clear translations between like okay it was like a bow truckle in a thing of twigs, oh, yeah. and it's bird like a needle in a haystack. Oh, a needle in a haystack, yeah. Bird I was bush, thinking yeah. bird in a hand. <laughs> or like Merlin's beard and like... Great Scott. Yeah, and like son of a bludger, and this <laughs> type of stuff. It was kind of neat. So here's a couple that I thought I, I liked more, or I, I thought would be fun to talk about. Clear as a demiguise in hiding. Clear as day? No. Uh, clear as a demiguise in hiding. Yeah, what do you think that means? Um, it's not necessarily like clear as day. It's that's basically what it means. Yeah. Well, because demi guys are invisible or it can be invisible. when it's hiding. When it's, it's like hiding. perfectly clear. So yeah. that's what it means. Very clear was the claim. Uh, a dementor attack is. I don't think you would get this one, but it sometimes is used as a metaphor for depression, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Do we know that? Did we talked about that? this briefly, we? I thought. Okay. Or maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe it was on maybe one of my read Wizard PhD something. episodes. I don't know. Good one. Don't count your owls before they are delivered. Mm -hmm. Don't count their, your chickens before they're hatched. Yeah. So it's that's the play. But it, it, yeah, that's a good one. There's a bunch kind of in that vein. So, But I just like that one the most. Mm -hmm. Fell off the back of a broom. Any guess there? Mm-hmm. You might not have ever heard this sort of muggle phrase that's like it, but it's like fell off the back of a truck. Oh. So it's like stolen goods or like things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, the person who I think says that is Mundungus, I'm pretty sure. Here's one that you would not know, but I thought was neat. I'll take Cadigan's pony. And it roughly means I'll savage, salvage the best I can from a tricky situation. Yeah, I read that because when I looked up Sir Cadigan, that's what that's what I saw. But I didn't know that it was like a... It comes from the tale of Sir Cadigan and his brave assault against the Wyvern of Wye. Mm -hmm. Which I think we talked I, about. Yeah, we talked about that. Maybe with the portraits or something. Yeah. And then here's a good one that is, again, one you wouldn't know because it's very specific. It's to have middle head... This is from Fantastic Beasts. Newt apparently made it up or something. It says it's coined by him. But the middle head refers to the middle head of a rune spore, 
which is known as the visionary of the creature's three heads. So you had Newt uh, described Perpentia Goldstein as having middle head Sheena. when she was the only Auror who did not wish to kill Credence. Ooh. So like middle, it's kind of like calmness or like you, or visionary. Like you have some sort of <laughs> instinct or like foresight that stops you from doing something. I mm. thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was cool. Like just coming up with phrases. Cause I've been doing that in my writing occasionally, like trying to like, so you can see the ones that are most of the ones that are on there are just clear translations of like phrases that we have. So it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I have two more table of 13 oh. instances oh. in the Harry Potter series. Oh, possibly. Two more? Possibly. Oh my God. I'm not Something sure. Something at if the this Order of the Phoenix, yes. I bet. Oh, is it serious? In chapter five of Harry Potter and the oh. Order of the Phoenix, 13 people dined together oh at 12 Grimald Place. So this says here Sirius was the first person to rise, but there was a comment back that possibly Molly was the first one. So I don't know if this one counts because there's like a moment where well, she snaps have at to be Sirius. True, I yeah. Think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then one more is in uh, book seven. Thirteen people were together at the burrow after the Battle of the Seven Potters. Lupin left first, offering to go look for Moody's dead body. So this one, it's unclear if Lupin died before, because several people died who's at this table. Yeah, Yeah. all of these, like, yeah. So it's unclear if that's the case, but it is interesting that it could be something that's a thing, that's an intentional thing of, like, I'm going to have 13 When it comes to that scene, I always love that, like, I'm pretty sure that's Harry's first fire whiskey that he ever has. (laughs) I just, yeah, there's something very touching about it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of neat. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even think about other instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet I bet you that Lupin does die first in the like back that it's never discussed but like in JK Rowling's mind I bet mm-hmm. you that Lupin dies first cuz I bet she knew that it was 13 people and was like oh, I'm going to use this. Yeah. Cuz she probably wrote it here and was like Probably Let's thinking about scabbers yeah. and oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know that that one strikes me as possibly that's difficult. I don't know the Wizarding that would mean World she would website know, says it on there. She would know that Derek lives for three more years. <laughs> well, at least before uh, Dumbledore dies, like that's so Dumbledore is the first to die. Yeah, no, in no, that. right, right. So, I'm like, saying that she would know three books ahead. Like none of these characters are in danger. They're kids, Those minus the, the teachers. Professors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hagrid could die, or you know. Wow. Snape, McGonagall, McGonagall, well, yeah. Maybe. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, it would be amazing. Scabbers actually gets eaten by Crookshank. I bet it, if it is the case, she probably was like, okay, I had Dumbledore get up first because I know he's gonna die, and then I'll just make sure these other yeah twelve make it through. Maybe. Yeah. Um, That's why you asked me when Pettigrew died. And yes. Now I understand. Yeah. Because you were like, I wanted what? to double check because I was like, book seven, like, right? Wow, that's very yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last thing I have for this dinner table <laughs> is that uh, Lupin is not at the table. Yeah. Because he's not feeling well. Yeah. Again. Right. And Dumbledore double checks on Snape and is like, you made him a potion, right? And he right. says, yes. Um, so I wanted to double check because the obviously we know. I- I'm going to say this out loud. This is a spoiler if you haven't read the books at all. Lupin is a werewolf. So 
So what? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just it. blasted out the microphone. Um, so Lupin is a werewolf, and around the full moon. So I right. wanted to look up and see, like, okay, December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety three. Was there a full moon? And in Scotland, in real life. So the full moon happened in uh, on December twenty eighth in Scotland. Uh. I don't know. I guess I didn't look specifically. I just oh, okay. Googled full moon hmm. for December 25th, 1993. Well, I've never actually looked it up. I'm trying to think about like if the full moon would be full everywhere. Why wouldn't it? It's just a rotation, right? Or... Yeah, no, I guess because it's no the idea. angle. It would be the angle of the sun. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So cool. Um, the 28th. The 28th. So it could be in the lead but, up. But yeah, so apparently the monthly, this was also from... Wizarding World. The monthly transformation of a werewolf is extremely painful if untreated and is usually preceded and succeeded by a few days of pallor and ill health. Hmm. So, because um, hmm. the other instance that I found of people talking about this was that apparently, and I didn't verify this, but apparently there was a full moon on uh, the morning of September 1st. So when Lupin is like all tired and like whatever on right. the train, right, right, uh, people think that he's like yeah, just drowsy and oh right because oh, of I figured he was recovering. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, cool. That's yep. pretty much all that I looked up. Oh okay, nice. Yeah, <laughs> so that's good. Oh, and then, and then I just wrote Derek question <laughs> mark. Derek is also a werewolf. Uh, Derek, he has his own Derek, fanfic. I'm I, sure. I need to know about Derek because it's such a random. Well, because it said inclusion. two first years. I don't think it said a house for the two first no, years. It said and a fifth, fifth year Slytherin. Slytherin. So I want to know what happened to Derek. What did he do? Did he yeah. become Grim Folly? Like, oh. I'm just kidding. He changed his name. Derek says. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, wouldn't wouldn't? Oh wait, no, we're way too early because Grim was in his second year. When Harry was in his seventh year. Never mind. Was yeah. his Unite Connections yeah. Yeah. trying? We'll see in book six if we can spot Grim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the end is just McGonagall taking oh, the broom Poor Hermione. Away. Yeah. The She's upside down book. She's trying so hard. She, but she knows also, um, even though I've been skipping ahead, so like I know how she she... She like confronts Harry more directly in book five about she knows mm -hmm. how Harry is. So um Harold, Harold. And she Harold. also knows that Ron Ron doesn't enable him, but he definitely is like Harry's big supporter. He's not gonna like like he'll he'll do as much to be like, all right, like he's getting out of hand. But for the most part, Ron is not like instinctually like uh suspicious of a protector something like a broomstick. An expensive broomstick that comes out of nowhere on Christmas Day with no. Yeah, note. even if it occurred to him, he'd probably be like, eh, "It's a firebolt." <laughs> it just locks in and flies Harry right to Sirius. Boom, Avada. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. End of story. <laughs> yeah, cool. So good chapter. A lot. It's kind of a big stretch of because it's like three separate scenes. So, yeah, yeah. Or even four. So, yeah. We're rocking, we're rolling. You got anything else? No, that's all the nuts that I have. Until next time. Lawn's ready. ready.